Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving a city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is the word of the Lord. So he's on his way to Jerusalem for the final week of his life, the most important week in the history of mankind. Because what took place with one particular person has altered your and my realities, if we allow it to. This week's not just a historical fact. It's changed who we are. It's changed why we're here. It's changed this piece of property and its heritage going forth. So he's in this parade. He has stopped in the town of Jericho. And if you were with us last week, he encountered a man named Zacchaeus, and he spends time with Zacchaeus. And as the, the crowds are heading toward Jerusalem, the people would gather, and, and the word was out that this Jesus of Nazareth, this miracle worker, this healer, this, this prophet, was coming through town. Now imagine today if we heard that Jesus was heading from the West Coast toward Chicago and would be coming through Orinoco. Would you stop your day and come watch did you just get a glimpse of him when he went by? I remember I was a, a kid in 1975 and our school uh, took us to University of Notre Dame in the town that I grew up in, went to the university because President Gerald Ford was coming onto campus. And so our little social studies class went and we stood there and they put us up front and, and Mr. Ford went by and it wasn't Chevy Chase, but he tripped and put his hand on me and I was anointed after that. I <laughs> thought I was going to be the president. Didn't happen. He just fell. But he touched me, and it was amazing, and it was awesome. But we were excited to see him. I just thought maybe I could see him, and he fell on me. It was great. Uh, would you go out to see Jesus go by? Because the crowds were packed in Jericho because they heard this Jesus. And crowds were coming every day, but they were there. And we have this Passover moment of excitement. If you were with us the last two weeks, the Sunday after Christmas, and last Sunday you noticed that there's this kind of unspoken trend taking place in the stories of you have James and John, the, the disciples of Jesus, coming to Jesus saying, would you do whatever we ask? And Jesus asked them this question, what do you want me to do for you? 
And he meets last week a, a little tax collector, this corrupt man who lived in a town and taken advantage of his friends and possibly even family. And Jesus says, I'm going to come to your house. He answers the unspoken request. He says to Zacchaeus, I know what I, you need me to do. And today he's going to ask a similar question as you just heard read. What do you want me to do for you? And when we're done today, I hope every single person, whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're just kicking the tires to figure out what this Christianity stuff is, I hope you'll ask yourself this question and you'll ask it and hear it from the words of Jesus. What do you want the the master of the universe to do for you? What do you want from him? Don't you love the fact that Jesus would ask us that question? What can I do for you? Instead of using his power and authority to say, what are you going to do for me? He asks a different question. And so here we have this moment where we're going to meet this man named Bartimaeus. Now, Bartimaeus is an interesting character, but it's not just Bartimaeus' story. If you and I pay attention, it's our story too. You get to decide whether or not you allow it to be. Let's begin. I want to tell you his story so we see ours. The very first thing is, he needed mercy. Bartimaeus needed mercy. Mercy is an interesting word. It's not something we want to ask for. Mercy is when we deserve it and we're not going to get it. It's when we deserve punishment or we deserve uh, whatever it is and it's harsh. But we know that we've earned what's coming down on us and we cry out for mercy. See, he's a blind man. He's sitting by the side of the road. He probably sat there every day because people had to give him stuff for him to survive. You, you might remember if you've been with us through this lengthy series over the last two years, we were back in John chapter 9, there was a man, he was, he was, we weren't given his name, but he was a blind man sitting by the road, and the debate was taking place amongst the religious people, who sinned, his parents or he, that he was blind? In other words, the assumption was, if your life isn't perfect, God's getting you. And I want to correct that, because if God's going to get you, you won't last very long. You wouldn't be here long enough to question it. So the, the thought was, he's blind because somebody messed up and got God mad, and it's not true. So imagine now this other man, just like him, blind by the side of the road. What did they think of him in Jericho? He probably did something to earn this. So maybe I'll give him a few coins, but really, he chose this life. And chances are he didn't. He's also named. See, I told you about John chapter 9 because we don't have a name for that guy. His mom and dad are even mentioned and their names aren't given. You might remember back in the early parts of the Gospel of Mark, some friends cut open the roof of a house Jesus was teaching in, and they lowered a crippled man down to him on a pallet. They're not named. The crippled guy's not named. Jairus' daughter, raised from the dead, she's not named. So what is it that Bartimaeus gets named? Well, most scholars believe that the reason we know this guy's name is because Mark was the first of the four New Testament Gospels, to my understanding, to be written. And chances are, when he wrote his story, Bartimaeus was kicking it in the church, and so they could go talk to him if they wondered if it was true. You see, the reason you'd use his name is because he could verify the story himself. So this is probably a man who not only meets Jesus, but becomes a part of the early church and its history going forward. Now, see, Luke and Matthew tell the same story, but I'm using Mark's account today for simplicity today. But when Luke tells us the story of Bartimaeus, he says that when the crowd was going by and the crowd started buzzing because Jesus was going through Oronogo, that Bartimaeus cried out, what's happening? He's blind. You know, the crowd's been going by all day. People are giving me coins every now and then, but now the crowd's buzzing and there's some juice here. What's happening? 
And they say to him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And then Bartimaeus does one of two things. And these two things are really important. The first thing he does is he cries out. Now, you might not think that's a big fact in this story, but I need you to understand. I've told you the background so you understand the context. There's a crowd. There's a noise. It's like a parade. There's a buzz. A celebrity's coming to town. Everyone's pushing to the front to get to see him. They heard what happened the other day. Jesus, when he first came into town, saw Zacchaeus, and he went to Zacchaeus' house, and he spent a couple of days. Now he's leaving town, and the crowd's gathered. Maybe the crowd's bigger and fuller and buzzing more because they want Jesus to come to their house. And there's all of this energy and all of this juice, and Bartimaeus cries out. And the Greek word that's used by Mark in this particular case is that he screamed incessantly. It wasn't just, hey, Jesus, Jesus, look here. He screamed above the crowd. He is calling in desperation because he knows if Jesus passes by, so does his opportunity for life. This may be the only time in his life he's ever near Jesus. And he will not be stopped. And I'm here to tell you that if you and I don't pursue Jesus with that same passion, we've misunderstood the opportunity of our lifetime. And I don't mean just once in your life saying, Jesus, I need you. But understanding each and every day, as we learned last week, it's great to watch the parade go by. It's a whole lot more fun to be in the parade. And he cries out and he screams out the name because he... He has to be thinking, if he, if he is who he says he is, if Jesus is who everyone else is saying he is, if he is able, if he is willing, could he fix me? Could he forgive me? Would he care for me? And the only way to answer those questions is to scream out. It's not to sit passively by saying, well, you know, hopefully at the end, Jesus knows I tried really hard. No, no, you have to cry out to Jesus. Not because he's testing you, but because unless you're willing to humble yourself in front of the crowd, unless you're willing to make yourself the object of attention, you see, the story also tells us in verse 48 that the crowd was trying to silence him. You're insignificant, you don't matter, you did it to yourself, don't bother him. He's about greatness, not about you. But it says over and over and over, he cries out, Jesus, Jesus over here, Jesus, look at me, because he knows nobody in that crowd, their opinion of him can't fix him. His social comfort doesn't matter. He just cries out over and over and over. Can you fix me? Can you heal me? Can you Forgive me. You and I have to know that if the mercy of Jesus is not what we want, we are settling for so little of what he has to offer. We're settling for a place where going to churches gets you a tip of the cap, gets you an girl, an attaboy. You go to church, great. What church do you go to? Oh, nice. Good for you. No, 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 no. It's not about what church you go to. It's not about how often you go to church. It's about whether or not you've fallen on your knees before God and cried out for mercy. That he is what you need. And not only does he cry out for mercy, but he wants to see Jesus. And that's not a play on words. He really needs to see Jesus for who he is. You see, the first thing he did is he called out. And the second thing is who he called out to. You see, it's interesting that he cries out, Jesus, son of David. Now we look at that and go, that's interesting. 
It, you know, that's what he cried out. It was, it was a good thing to cry out. It makes sense. He calls him son of David, and, and we go, well, maybe that's just a term that they use. No, you have to understand that this Bartimaeus is probably Jewish, and he understands that it was promised from the very beginning that King David would have a greater son than David. And everybody thought it was Solomon, but it wasn't Solomon. But he'd have a greater son, and that son would sit on the throne, and all of Israel and all of the world beside Israel would be blessed by the son of David. He was known to the Jews as the Messiah. We would say, in English, that's not a word that we would use. We would say the deliverer, the promised deliverer, or the one anointed by God. And so you have this moment, this interaction, where he begins to call out, not just Jesus, I need you, but Jesus, I need you because you're him. You're the deliverer. You're the one even the blind have waited for. You're the one the lame have waited for. You're the ones who couldn't speak. Those, they have waited for you, for the outcast, for the woman who's been rejected and thrown out, for the family that's been broken. You're the one that fixes all of it. You're the deliverer. What he cries out is not just help me. He's crying out, help me, God. And I love it because I know it worked because Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. When the crowd was saying, leave him alone, be quiet. So Jesus stopped and said, call him here, which really is kind of funny if you'll take a breath here for a second and read the story and see it in your mind. The crowd's like, dude, stop it. He's not going to talk to you. You're a nobody. And Jesus says, bring him here. And you're like, oh, let me help you. <laughs> Congratulations. He'd like to see you. And they walk him forward. And I'm sure the whole time Barnabas is like, if I knew who you were, I promise. Anyway, so they, they get him to Jesus. And the crowd's like, hey, great. He wants you. Go see him. See, when Jesus heard the differences, Jesus, 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 and the difference is my Jesus, my deliverer, my hope, my promise. You see, it's not just that you cry out, it's who you're crying out to. And for you and I to cry out to the deliverer, it's going to require that we stop listening to the crowd, that we stop listening to the noise, that we stop worrying about what people think, that we stop caring about what people think of our condition. The fact of the matter is when you're sick, you need healing. When you're hurting, you need comfort. You need someone to care. And Bartimaeus knew that as that parade went by and Jesus walked by, this was the opportunity of his lifetime to call out for Jesus to help. And the beauty of it is, as soon as he called out, Jesus stopped. How many people were calling Jesus' name that day and he didn't stop for them? What's unique about this, in verse 50, it says that he threw aside his covering. He left his mat. He jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. I need to remind you not to be funny, although it makes me smile. He's still blind. And he gets up and he leaves his comfort. He leaves his provision. This is, these are his work tools. The Bible says in none of the accounts, in Matthew, Luke, or Mark, none of the accounts say that he grabbed his money, stuffed it in his pockets, grabbed his materials, and went, just in case. No, he left everything and went to Jesus. He had to be led to Jesus, and he appears before Jesus, and Jesus asks him this question. You called for help. What do you want? Think about what he could have asked for. He could have asked for money. He could have asked to never beg again. He could have asked for power and authority. See, someone has already asked Jesus for that, and Jesus said, nah. One man just simply asked to be known, and Jesus called him by name and went and spent the day with him. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, rabbi, which is a Jewish term for my teacher. See, he's already submitting himself to him. He says, my teacher, I want to see. Matthew and Luke, in recording this story, listen to what they say. They say, 
I want to see again. He had his sight at once and he lost it. He had a full life and now he has a partial life. And isn't that what many of us are feeling right now? Man, I had so many dreams as a kid. I had so many hopes. I had so many aspirations of what I wanted to do and what I wanted to become. And I look at my life and if I don't want to think about it because I'm not anywhere near what I thought I could do. And, and, and the reason I'm not where I thought I could be is because of choices I made. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Remember, I told you the question each one of us needs to ask ourselves this morning if we really want to worship Jesus is what do we want him to do for us? That the world can't. That the world won't that money can't and won't, that marriage can't and won't, that children can't and won't, that friends can't and won't. And the third thing I want you to see is not only did he cry for mercy, not only did he need Jesus, but the restoration that Jesus provided will show him more than he requested. He's going to see, and the beautiful part is he's going to see things he never even asked for. All because Jesus gives us more than we can ever imagine when we're all we can imagine. Verse 52. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. That's interesting. He told him to leave, to go. He gave him something to do. For many of us, I think we've cried out to Jesus and we've asked him to be our one thing. We've asked him to be our ultimate fulfillment and then we've sat or gone back to our mat and begged. We've we've gone back to what we've always done. We haven't stopped and said... If I'm going to follow him, I'm going to leave Jericho. I'm going to leave my mat. I'm going to leave my blanket. I'm going to leave my basket. I'm going to leave my provisions. And I'm actually going to go follow Jesus. And he does. That's why I think we know his name. He ended up being a disciple that other people would have known. So when Mark records the story of Bartimaeus, people are like, the Bartimaeus who's in the church? They're like, yeah, go talk to him about it. And he could tell the story of what happens when you go and follow Jesus. I love the simplicity of it. Jesus said, your sight's back. And immediately, not over time, but immediately, he could see. And the first thing he saw to do was to follow Jesus. Notice that the Bible doesn't say the earth shook. Notice the Bible didn't say that all of a sudden he became nine foot tall and had bronze skin and he just became someone that everybody knew had been changed. No, the change happened when he began to follow Jesus after he cried for mercy. It goes in that order. Jesus will bless you as you obey as you trust, as you seek him. Jesus simply said, trust me, follow me. And he did. There's so many lessons here. And this is where our stories become parallel. This is Bartimaeus' story and my story. And hopefully it's Bartimaeus' story and your story. Notice that he said he wanted to see. And Jesus gave him his physical sight. But what he would see upon his physical sight, what he would see in his head, heart, for the rest of his lives was so much deeper than just having physical sight. Like me, Bartimaeus could see the Lord's compassion. And like Bartimaeus, I can see that he never rejects the cry of a person for mercy. Like Bartimaeus, I can see that when we understand who Jesus is and what he's done, the only true response is to follow him because he's that good. You see, Bartimaeus will see Jesus, the son of David, become the suffering servant of people like you and me. Bartimaeus will see the anointed one become the rejected one on the cross. And Bartimaeus will see the sovereignty of Jesus by coming off the cross and coming out of the tomb and walking into resurrection. And Bartimaeus will see that all of that is available to anybody who cries out to mercy and cries out to Jesus. 
Jesus spoke and it happened. But what's interesting to me as I study scripture is this is the reoccurring story of Jesus' healings. The kind of people Jesus heals are outcast, the rejected, the despised, those who have tried everything and it's not working. Notice that that's who finds healing. The people who cry out for mercy, not people who cry out for small adjustments and tweaks. Not to say to Jesus, well, give me a little bit of space here and give me some time and I think you and I can work this out. There is no working it out. Fall on your knees or just stay where you're at. The only way I see in scripture that miracles took place in people's lives are when Jesus was all they knew and all they sought. It's the way it works. And then I've noticed that the people that were healed, the people that saw miracles, the people that were brought in, whether it was a great story or it was a story of just relationships, they always received more than they ever thought they would ever see in their lifetime. You see, every time Jesus gave life and hope to anyone, it drew them closer and closer to him. And every time he gave his power, it drew him closer and closer to the cross so that he could provide not a temporary healing. You see, if all he did was heal Bartimaeus' eyes and Bartimaeus dies, so what? But by healing Bartimaeus' eyes, he allowed him to see that there was so much more and Bartimaeus followed him and Bartimaeus will never die because of what Jesus gave him, life. In Deuteronomy chapter 13, when Moses is speaking to the people of Israel, he commands these words to them. The Lord your God you shall follow. Him alone you shall fear. His commandments you shall keep. His voice you shall obey. Him you shall serve. And to him you shall hold fast. Any questions? When you cry out to mercy, there's only one response to the mercy of Jesus. Follow him before you follow anything else. Make him the one thing. So as we like to do around here, what are you supposed to do with the sermon? You're supposed to engage your head, your heart, and your hands. There's an action and a response to the truth of scripture for our heads. I want to ask you a series of questions that you will then, when Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? You'll have an answer. Are you... Reading and listening to the word of God. I know it's intimidating. I already told you there's classes here to help you grow. There's opportunities for you to get into some, with some people who know as much or more than you. And are you in the word? Are you listening to it? Are you hearing the eyewitness testimonies of people like Mark and Bartimaeus? Are you listening to who Jesus is saying he is and who other people are finding him to be? And are you seeking that for yourself? Or are you just trusting that this bald guy who talks on Sunday mornings telling you the truth? Don't do that. Find it for yourself because together you and I both sharpen one another. Are you reading in the books following Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about what the early church knew Jesus to be and what difference it makes? Are you engaging your mind on the things of truth? for your hearts? Have you fallen on your knees before him and asked him to forgive you? Have you cried out above the crowds and say, Jesus, you're my one thing. You're the one thing I need more than anything else. And I'm so sorry for how many times I've turned to alcohol or drugs or sex or friends or power or fame. I've turned to all of it. I'm so sorry. None of it worked and I should have known it never worked. I feel foolish. I feel stupid. No, you just feel the need for mercy. Will you humble your hearts and ask Jesus today, make me able to make you 
my one thing because he wants to do that for you. And for your hands, for those of you that are followers of Jesus, are you displaying by your words and by your choices, by your expenditures and by your life that the love of Jesus should be known by everybody? I think of these two kids on this stage in their mid to late 20s with three beautiful children who are giving up all the comforts of America to go to another country that is very refined and beautiful, but they are going to have to work for two years to fall into the culture and and they're doing it with a smile on their face. There's no toe prints of dragging them off the stage and sending them to Japan. They march out here going, we are so excited to get there. And I wonder, does this church have the hands of Jesus to bless them and honor them and pray for them and not just wish them well? Because that's what love does. That's when Jesus calls us, we go back and get the other people that are broken and hurting and we say, you find Jesus through his mercy and through his power and through who he is. So this morning, are your heads attuned to who he is? Are your hearts willing to make him your one thing? And will your hands and feet, and words, and actions let the world know that Jesus is real, and he alters futures, and he changes today. See, around this room are four tables with lamps lit, and today's really simple and clean. If you've never taken a knee before Jesus Christ and said, I need your mercy in my life, I need your lordship, I need to follow you. If you've never made that, you don't even know what that means. I'm going to ask you to do one of the riskiest things I can. I'm going to ask you to leave the comfort of where you are with the people that make you comfortable and just walk during our next song or two to one of these tables where the lamps are lit and have a conversation. The people at those tables are not just people who didn't want to sit with you. It's our elders, our staff, it's some of our counselors. I just ask you to go to one of these tables and say, I, I want to follow Jesus. I need help. And we'll have, we have people that will walk with you and help you discover what that means. We're not going to force you to do anything today because we want you to choose Jesus. We want you to choose Jesus, not us. But for some of us, majority in this room, you once followed Jesus and now you watch in the parade. You're not in the words. You're not praying. Your, your heart's become distracted by the things of the world. You know what's the best part of it is? As long as you have today, all of that can go away. You can begin today to give your head and heart back to the king. It might, you might want someone to pray with you this morning. You want someone to encourage you or simply say, hey, can, can I check in with you? I just need help. You just need to humble your heart and your head and seek him. You could do that in your chair alone or you can go to one of these tables. We're about to sing a, another song of my heritage and faith. And for many of you, it is yours too. It's a song that I remember singing at church camp when I was just a kid. This is not manipulation. This is the gospel hope. As we stand together and sing, if you have a decision to make, go to one of the tables. We'd love to help you walk closer to Christ. Let's stand together. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.